All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of This Week in College Football, brought to you by CFB Talk Daily. Today is Friday, March 27th. Uh, we got Juwan Johnson on the episode, if you're not aware of the name right away. Uh, Ex-Penn State and Oregon receiver, looking to get himself into the NFL. Uh, we're also going to talk about some things that we're doing while we're quarantined right now. We're going to also talk some local football, for those who, those of you who don't know, local for us is Rutgers, and we'll probably touch on some other things. Uh, so let's first start it with, we tweeted out earlier in the week, uh, what games would you watch while you're being quarantined because there's nothing on TV of live sports. Uh, so we thought of our three, three each. So John, I'll let you start it off at year three. All right. Well, so I think we should go one for one, like a Matt Rushmore kind of thing. Okay. I, I, I know we didn't really talk about it. Uh, I we, I don't know if we were going to put them in order. Uh, did you put yours in order or are they just like three games? Here you go. No, mine are in order, but not ranked. If that makes any sense. There's a system to why I want to watch them. Okay, well, mine aren't... Uh, uh, you want to go first? What, you're first? And then, uh, so I can see system? Yeah, okay. So my first okay. game I'm going to watch, um, you know, get me into the mood for some offense. We're going to watch Penn State USC Rose Bowl with um, Sam Darnold. A lot of points, a lot of passing. That's what I want to see right now. I'm deprived of action in sports. So what better uh, resolution do I have than to watch a high-scoring game? I think it was like all, both teams were in the 50s or close to it. I don't remember the score off the top of my head. But that's some action, so I want to get back into some high-intense, high-running-and-gunning, slinging the football around, just get me in the mood to watch some sports, especially football. So I have been watching baseball. Uh, okay. Uh, all right, so, you- uh, yeah, yeah, okay, so I'll follow up now. So I'm going to add a little context to mine. Um, I want to show some love to the group of five. So I went with one group of five game to start. And uh, USF versus UCF 2017, the war on I-4. That was uh, the year that UCF kind of won national championship. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say they did. But, I mean, a lot of people would. That game finished 49-42. So same thing for me. I want to get into the offense. It had some crazy plays. It had Mackenzie Milton. Quentin Flowers, uh, Mike Hughes, who's on the Vikings now. And uh, Hughes, I think, re- he uh, returned a kick to win the game. So that was uh, that's always interesting. It ends in a different type of way. It's not just some shootout. All right, my next game, yeah, I just watched a big offensive game, a lot of points. I want to slow it down. I'll get into some defense, some hard-nosed, old-school defense. We're going to be uh-huh. watching 2011 LSU-Alabama 9-6. I think it was an overtime thriller. Yeah, it was. So we got nothing but field goals in this game. All right. We're going to be playing some defense. Going to keep you on the edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to slow it down. You know, Obviously, we go from the 50-point game with the Rose Bowl back to a combined 15 points. Uh, really remind us of some SEC defense You know, on those Saturday nights watching you know, the, the Tide and the Tigers going at it. Uh, you really get you ready for November football, even though we're only in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, so am I next? Yeah, you'd be next. Yeah, there's no one else. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, for, I forgot. So for me, 2016, Texas Tech versus Oklahoma. Now, let me just spew out some stats to you here from this yeah, game. Yeah, I, I know Ready? what game you're talking about. Patrick Mahomes, 52 of 88. <laughs> it sounds like he, threw, he was throwing pitches is what it sounds like. 88. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a pitching percentage. Like, oh, of 88 pitches you threw, you threw 52 strikes. Like, you would see that from, like, a starting yeah. pitcher. 
Yeah, all right. 734 yards. Texas Tech had 819 yards. Baker Mayfield threw 36 passes for 545 yards. There were 12 touchdowns between these two quarterbacks and over 1,500 yards. And I think the game finished, uh, the final score was 66-59. Crazy stuff. Uh, Mayfield broke an Oklahoma record, and now they're both stars, so I think it'd be an interesting game to look back on and be like, wow, like how does, for one, Patrick Mahomes, like how was he missed on by so many people? And not only are they both stars, it's kind of like a, uh, not coming out party, but, you know, Mahomes comes in to tech, Baker leaves after being, I think he was the Big 12 player of the year or freshman of the year. So you got the guy who replaced Baker Mayfield playing against Baker Mayfield. That's a guy. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. I forgot like all about that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good game. I feel like. Yeah. There's a lot of stories to that game. Yeah. Real quick. Do you want to add one natty at the end of it? Like each? Yeah. That works. I had one in mind. All right. Yeah. So I so did I. I didn't know if it fit, so I didn't say it. But now yeah, that works. So my last game, I had two. I'll tell you the game that I threw out the window was okay. uh, LSU versus A&M, the seven overtime game. I had too much offense so far. I can't have like, I think that game was like 70 something to 70, like 68 or something crazy. So I can't have like an, a college basketball score again. Uh, so I decided for this one, an all time classic, uh, the uh, kick six. Okay, that's a good, that's a great one. Just because there was so much riding in that game, like you know, the Iron Bowl every year is the Iron Bowl. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, Ohio State Michigan. It's always going to be a big game because the rivalry. But that game, I mean, that year especially because Alabama and Auburn were both playing for not only a uh, play a postseason appearance, they were playing for the SEC West, which I think that year it was kind of really blatant who was going to win the SEC and they were going to come out of the West. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot on the line that year. And that's probably the game that kept Gus Malzone's job up until this year when they beat yeah. Alabama. Like, if they lose that game, uh, even you know, if he doesn't bring the kick six back, Chris Davis doesn't return that kick, it probably goes into overtime. If Alabama wins, you know, maybe earlier this year we see Gus get fired. You know, so that, that kind of changed the program at Auburn. Yeah, it kind of changed uh, the, the perception of Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe this guy is the guy for the job. Like, mm-hmm. even though it was a I fluke, mean, like, it happened. Yeah, that was a big-time win, and now he's done it. I think he's beaten Alabama twice since then. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, anything else you want to add for that game? or? Am uh, I good? No, you're good, and then we'll go into our natties. All right, so for me, I picked a little bit of an odd one here, just like a personal memory. So the year is 2014. We're freshmen in high school. Ohio State, Penn State. At Penn State. Ohio State gets up to a 17-0 lead. Penn State comes back. Uh, JT Barrett and I think it was um, I forget, Christian Hackenberg are dueling. And then Joey Bosa gets a walk-off sack to win the game in overtime. Which I don't know if you've seen that play, but he runs over the running back. And the running back falls into Christian Hackenberg on fourth down. So the running back got credited with the tackle. Yeah, he knocks the running back into Christian Hackenberg so hard that Hackenberg falls down. <laughs> so that's why uh, that one was mine, because I've never seen anything like that. Um, all right, so Natty. Um, uh, I'll let you go first, because you might have the same one. 
All right, so for me, it's Al- it's Alabama Georgia. Okay, we don't have the same one, but that's also a good one. Well, I just feel like that game was so much back and forth. It really felt like I mean, listen, I was sitting right in front of you with a beer in my hand during this game, and I remember like we were sitting there, and I was like, oh my god, like George is actually going to do this, and uh, they didn't, but they came probably as close as you could to winning a national championship without winning it. And it's funny you say that, because we were together for that game, and what I had said all year was, and something that I said last year with Tua, was that Tua makes, he's a playmaker, there's no taking that away from him, but sometimes he tries to make plays too hard, and if you remember the play before that touchdown pass, I think Tua tried to avoid a sack and ended up getting sacked mm-hmm. for like a loss of 15 or 17 yards to take them yep. out of field goal range, and that yep. I looked at you and I said, there it is. That's you know, was trying to make plays, so he's just you know he just blew the season for them right there. And then the next play, he throws one of the best passes I've ever seen, uh, <laughs> you know, touchdown win the game, and he makes me look like an idiot. You know, I feel like that's just the difference between like the average college player and like guys who were going to the NFL. Like they just have that ability to turn it on, and when they're on, like, like that's a play most like four year stars at college weren't gonna make. That's like. You have to be going to the NFL to make that second 26 throw. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're not going to have, you know, no offense to Maxion, but you're not going to have, you know, Miami of Ohio's quarterback making that throw in that situation like that. You know, they're probably going to throw it away and avoid a sack, which is the smart play, which, mm-hmm. you know, eight, nine out of ten times you want your quarterback to do that unless you have a guy like Tua who can completely change the outcome of a game in mm-hmm. one pass. But also I feel like a last thing about this for me is, uh, like – an NFL guy is poised. Like two, of the, he got sacked, and the, he just got up. They called the play, and he executed the very next play. Like he didn't dwell on it, and he didn't let it affect the whole drive. You know, like that's just mm-hmm. something for me. But all right, I, I want to hear your natty. So my natty, just like yours, back and forth. Uh, 2017 Clemson, Bama. Clemson gets them after losing the year before, 45-40. Uh, Deshaun Watson, last second game uh, throw. That was the Hunter Renfro one. Yeah, Hunter Renfro. Corner of the end zone on a rollout. They went 35-31. That was, to me, you see Clemson really makes the turn after that to what they are now. Clemson was, Clemson was then what like Oklahoma is now. They were one win away from being a dynasty. Like they were there. The year before they were there. You were just waiting on that key win. They got to the championship game. You thought that was going to be it. They lose to Alabama 45-40. They play them tight. Next year, they come back and beat them. And then, you know, now they're, you know, now you're looking at a team that gets there again this year, probably going to get there next year if there is a next year. But um, I think that game, just because what it was for Alabama, I guess just a great game. You know, that's like a back and forth game. And I think that was, you know, that's icing on the cake for Deshaun Watson's legacy at Clemson. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, so that wraps up our three games plus national championship game. So we're going to slide into Juwan Johnson. Again, uh, this is a guy who was at Penn State, which we've both talked about in the last, you know, in the games where we wanted to see played again because we can watch him in quarantine. But so he played at Penn State, then he goes to Oregon, uh, plays in their season where they win the pack, uh, win the Rose Bowl. So he has some good stories on the comparison of going from one, you know, one program to the other, two his, you know, respected programs in the country. And then after that, we're going to talk about some few other things. So we'll catch you guys on the other side of Juwan Johnson. All right. So uh, we're now joined by a former Penn State receiver and Oregon receiver, Juwan Johnson. Juwan, what's up? How you feeling, guys? Appreciate you guys having me. 
I'm feeling great. Uh, so one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, uh, you were very highly touted after, um, touted after coming out of high school. So uh, what went into like picking Penn State and like how crazy was your recruitment being, like you know how, I guess like how popular of a recruit you were? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I feel like my recruiting process was pretty minimal in terms of me just keeping it low key in that sense. I mean, I know guys now are just having like commitment videos and things like that. But in my time, like we just committed with a picture and that was pretty much it. So um, for me, it was really just staying to myself, keeping a low profile the whole time and picking Penn State. I mean, mainly because, you know, Coach Frank was a great guy and that's somebody that, you know, I, I trust uh, with my future. And so that's what I did. It was close to home, a great education, great Penn State uh, uh, education. So it was only right for me to go there and, you know, and graduate from there. That's probably pretty much the key. Yeah, I mean, Penn State's definitely a great school. I mean, I know Matt, being the Rutgers fan he was, was probably hoping you said, like, oh, they paid you <laughs> to go there or something. But <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, I, I don't so, remember the violation. No money distribution at all. No. That's coming soon, though. That's coming uh, Absolutely. for you, hopefully. Right. Legally, though. Right, yeah, legally. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, now I want to get into like uh, at Penn State because you definitely played with uh, some great players at Penn State. So I, I want to ask you, who do you think the most talented teammate you played with was? Oh man, uh, at Penn State, I can't I can't even just number dumb it down to one. But I mean, I mean I've been with some great people. I mean Trace McSoul is probably one of the guys that I've always wanted to play with and still want to play with to this day. I mean I'm not giving any Raiders, I mean uh, any Ravens shout outs or anything, but I mean, that's just a guy that I would love to have on my team just because of how competitive uh, he is and the type of guy that he is. Obviously, Saquon's, like, he, he's just different. I mean, he's obviously built from a different cloth and not from this universe, but um, he's, he's someone that um, you would always love to have in the backfield. I mean, Deshaun Hamilton, Micah Sikri was also freaks that I was on the same team with, and also Chris Godwin, who's with arguably one of the <laughs> – one of the best players in um, all of the NFL, Tom Brady. So uh, it's just some great guys I've, I've been able to have the privilege under you know, working with and also learning from. So uh, it's it's a couple guys that I can name, but it's it's not one that I can say that is the most athletic or most talented. Yeah, so uh, I introduced myself as an Oregon fan to you, but uh, obviously we live very close to Rutgers, so I do have that sweet spot for them in my heart. Right, um, right. So we've seen a lot of Penn State uh, not in the best way over the last few years. But, Absolutely. Um, it's funny because people, I feel like, don't give McSorley the respect he should have had with his college career because he was a straight playmaker. Like, right. And he could move, too. Like, Absolutely. He, yeah. Um, so all right, now everyone probably asked you about this, but uh, how was that Iowa game? Uh, it was insane. And, you know, I mean, I kind of watched a little bit of it um, yesterday. It was just brought up out of nowhere. Um, it was um, ended up being on my Twitter feed and ended up seeing it. And it was just crazy how it all unraveled um, because, you know, going into that season, um, I wasn't the starter. And so I didn't end up being a starter until, you know, that's the middle of that spring. And then it just kind of bled into the season. So going into it, I didn't know what to expect, especially coming out of the Iowa game, which was kind of hectic because we were – down the whole game and so you know i mean that last drive was definitely critical with 
catches like Saeed, uh, Black, you know, having a, like a big catch during that drive, Saquon picking up a first down and me just having that catch. Um, it was just all crazy. And it was all guys playing really on how it all ended because that was my first career touchdown. Just have your first career uh, touchdown being a game winner. That's something that, that you can't even write in a story. So it was just, uh, it was just really nice. It was really good and really humbling. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that like, you probably couldn't have uh, wrote up a better first touchdown than a walk off. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I mean, how could you put it? I mean, it's it's even better uh, written now than it would be on the video game. So it's kind of crazy. <laughs> so like, were you like the first read on that play or like were you shocked? Like when the ball started coming your way, you were like, oh, this is real. Like, yeah. <laughs> No, honestly, um, I told my coach um, right before that play happened that, you know, we were running corner routes that whole game. And so I just wanted to run like a counter move. So I run like a, a post, but I'll make it seem like it's a corner. And um, I mean, out of all the players, he had trusted me to make that play. And honestly, I wasn't even really thinking about um, anything else but, you know, catching the ball. So I just kept my eyes gazed on the ball and caught it and, I mean, just made a play. Yeah, I mean, that that was crazy. I remember watching that because uh, I think I I may have bet on Penn State to win that game. So like, I was going nuts. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thank thank you for that. Um, yeah. Uh, you did bring up uh, Saheed Blacknaw real quick. I just wanted to tell you a funny story. So uh, his senior year, we were freshmen in his conference. Um, and one of my friends was actually on varsity. And this kid's like 5'6". <laughs> and I think he may have had 170 yards. That's like, crazy. Yeah, can, yeah I mean, couldn't I mean, be stopped. Saez, I mean, Saez is a freak. I mean, he, he could bench press anything. I mean, he's probably one of the strongest wide receivers that I have known and also with the tandem of being as fast as he was. So he was a freak of nature. Yeah. All right. So um, if you want to get into what led into you going to Oregon, like uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, the main thing was that for me, I was done. I mean, I, I fulfilled all my – obligations of being at Penn State. I mean, obviously, I had a career that I never thought about having uh, just simply because you know, I was a redshirt um, freshman. And, you know, when, when a lot of freshmen get redshirted, they're just like, man, like, like I don't know what I'm going to do. Should I transfer? Things like that. And so I just stuck with it. I didn't even know what to expect out of the, the next years to come. So um, just having a career that I had was like something that I've never even pictured or imagined. And the, and the moments that I had and the games that I played in and the plays that I made at Penn State was just something that something that I couldn't write up. Um, and then, you know, obviously I graduated. So for me, uh, my time at Penn State, um, it was kind of over. And I just had to come to terms with that. And and obviously the, uh, the portal was hot then. So, I mean, I kind of showed interest in that and kind of wanted to explore that. And going into it, you know, I always wanted to be out west. I mean, that was kind of like a big thing for me. You know, coming out, even coming out of high school, I always wanted to go out west, but was too scared. Uh, I was always a homebody. You know, I love being around my mother and my family, so that was something that I didn't want to do. But just coming to terms with it, I'm going to have to venture out and branch out in some way. So um, this is the perfect opportunity to do so. I mean, I was done. Uh, you know, at Penn State, I graduated, so let's not. I said so. So let's do this. So let's go into the portal and let's make something happen. And, you know, Oregon was the first school to hit me up, and. Um, I just kind of took a leap of faith with them. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure when Oregon contacted you, you're like, all right, I can go catch passes from Justin Herbert. It's not like they got a scrub back there, like. Right, right, and yeah, that was like um that that played a major factor in it uh, as well. I mean, I obviously wanted to go to an offense where, you know, I could I could thrive as as I did at Penn State. So, um, I know I, this the worst thing 
could happen was for me to go to another school and for me to, you know, um, not go to an offense that didn't, you know, throw the ball a little bit, spread the ball around a little bit. So definitely going to Oregon was something that was ideal for me, especially having, you know, Justin back there who can throw the ball. Yeah, and, uh, one of the craziest things, I mean, just for your NFL future is like, if you turn on your plays from Oregon, you have to be the most physical blocking receiver. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like yeah. you, you try to block and like DB start backpedaling away from yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the the mindset I had to to bring. I mean, um, I mean, obviously my last year at Penn State wasn't uh, the most ideal for me, so. Going into that next year, I definitely had a chip on my shoulder, and I definitely had a lot to prove, not only to people, but but really to myself, that I could be doing a lot more and, and not be lazy, which I was in the past. So, I mean, I just said, I'm just leaving it all out there every game and every play. So, that's what I did. All right. So, um, I'm sure you like to talk about this. Do you want to – how was that USC game for you? You know, oh, man. you had, what, three touchdowns? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome, man. Um, I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, I, I did not know what to expect out of that game, um, especially from, you know, the first couple of games, me being injured, and then the game before that USC game. I had a pretty good game. It was like the game to put me back on top, you know, make me feel a little bit better. And so uh, going into that USC game, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I made a couple of catches uh, going forward, and I was like, you know what, I can I can make something happen here in this game. And we were down, and so, I mean, someone needed to step up, so I needed to put my big boy pants on. I kind of made some plays, and so uh, that's what kind of sprung us to a victory, really. Yeah, I actually forgot that you were um, hurt in the beginning of the season for Oregon. And, uh, I mean, for you, that was probably tough because you were probably thinking, like, damn, like, here we go again. And then right. that USC game was probably like, oh, I could really do this again. Right. And that's, a, and that's how it was, I mean. I mean, definitely going in the beginning of the season, it was like, man, I should, I'm here to play the game, not to sit on the sideline. So uh, definitely coming back and having the game at USC definitely um, turns some heads. And that's something that I needed for me um, as a player. No, yeah, for sure. Um, another thing I was going to say is, like, um, obviously looking through your Instagram and stuff, you, you seem to be, like, uh, you know, into the drip and all. So was Oregon <laughs> part of that for you, too? Like, yeah. Uh. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's another, I mean, that wasn't really the main thing, but I mean, just me growing up, you know, Oregon was always a place that, I mean, every kid wanted to be at, especially like, you know, that era of like Michael James and, and KB. I actually work out with, you know, Ken, uh, Ken John Barner now, mm-hmm. like working out with him is kind of like, man, I was just, you know, I, I kind of looked up to you, but now I'm playing with I me, mean, now I'm working out with you. And so, um, you know, just seeing guys like that, see guys like Marcus Mariota, you know, and then seeing those guys playing that fast-paced offense, every kid wanted to, every kid wanted to be at Oregon, and so um, definitely going to Oregon was something that I dreamed that I had. Um, playing on the big stage and being in the Rose Bowl, places like that, you know, it's kind of it's kind of remarkable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, Oregon guys that, I mean, even for me, like that was like, because we're we're around the same age. We're only like I think a year younger than you were, yeah. two years. So. Like, you turned on the TV and you saw, like, Michael James, and you were like, damn, like, his offense is crazy. Right, and it's crazy, man. Um, Yeah, so I guess I'm just going to piggyback off that Penn State question earlier. So, at Oregon, who do you think uh, is the guy that's going to break out next season? I mean, you were in the locker room, so you probably know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm definitely having, uh, obviously, big hopes for you know, Johnny Johnson. I mean, he's a guy that works 
tirelessly. He he probably works more than he should. I mean, just tearing up his body. But I mean, he he loves the work. He loves the grind. Anytime I ask him if he wants to work out, he was always down. So you know, that guy's definitely gonna have a a big year. He's gonna shock a lot of people. Um, he's already had the year that he was supposed to have last year, and I mean, next year is gonna be even better for him. So I mean, I I expect a lot of big things out of him. Uh, likewise to um, Javon Holland. I mean, those those two guys, I feel like they just go at it at practice. You know, last time I was at practice, they were going at it. So I'm not going to be surprised if they do – if they shock a lot of people this year as a whole. Like they, they have a, a lot of good players coming back, a lot of good coaches. So it's going to be good. Yeah, for sure. Um, just the last question about teammates, and then we want to talk about the Rose Bowl quick. Um, is Panay Sewell the biggest, like, 19-year-old you've ever seen? <laughs> He is the biggest, and but he's also the goofiest one I, I, I know, too. I mean, he has a personality I think many people don't see because, obviously, I mean, we they, they just show people or show us, you know, just playing football. But he's a goofy guy, and that's uh, he, he's going to make not only this Oregon team better, but he's going to make some NFL team really happy one day. So I'm excited to see what his, uh, what his future holds because he's going to do a lot of good things. Yeah, all right. So I'm uh, just talking about storybook endings like before, how uh, Penn State, you had uh, that Iowa catch. Um, right. Oregon, the Rose Bowl, how how was that for you to end your career with? Yeah, man, it was crazy. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, even when I caught that last pass and was running off, I honestly just wanted to – I was just running. I didn't know what, what my purpose was. I mean, I didn't know if I should get down or if I should run the end zone. I had no purpose. I was just running. Because I knew we sealed the game, but I was just running. So I was like, you know what, man, let's just get out of bounds and let's just seal the game off before something happens. But um, it was great. I mean, that's something that you know, that was my last college, what well, was my last collegiate play, and just ending it off like that in the Rose Bowl, a big stage like that, over, you know what I mean, uh, over a million people watching. It was pretty it was pretty insane to you know, think about that. So uh, it was cool to do, cool to play in, and you know, just a memory that I always remember. Yeah, I mean uh, that last play of the game was like a it was like a tunnel screen to you, right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of yeah, a I mean, work, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine like how caught off guard they were. That you know, instead of throwing to like one of the smaller receivers, like they threw a six four receiver screen right. and just right and for so, the last play. Yeah, that was kind of a broken play. I mean, we just kind of checked that, and uh, I mean they so called jumped, and when they jumped, I kind of sat there because I wasn't gonna run deep, so <laughs> I just sat there. He threw me the ball, and I just made a play. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I saw you want to talk about your YouTube channel or anything, or yeah, we can do, we can definitely do that. All right, well, you want to tell us about it, like how it got started, and, like what you want to do with it? Yeah, so um, me and my wife we started our YouTube channel um, not too long ago, and we kind of just want to do it, just to have fun with it. I mean, that's something that she always wanted to do. She always wanted to, you know, uh, do the whole YouTube thing. She never built up the courage to, and so you know, I just kind of you know pushed her, t- pushed her towards doing it, and um, and why not? help her while, while having me do it as well. So and we've really been on that. Um, not really too serious about it now, but really just making some videos just for, you know, um, ourselves. You know, we kind of learn ourselves a lot more, you know, doing that. And it's just different things we can do to just keep ourselves, and, you know, sitting in the house and watching Netflix all the time. No, for sure. I mean, plus, I mean, it's, you have very interesting stories to tell, I'm sure. I mean, um, and other stuff. Like I saw you did the um, – ask ask me anything kind of video yeah so i'm sure that was a uh, fun yeah uh, but you said wife a, you got married <laughs> yeah yeah man so um we got married 
about a month and some change ago. So it's been it's been really fun so far. And yeah, that's crazy. Um, so you went through the uh, combine, right? I'm pretty right. sure you were. I, I don't want to assume, but uh, yeah. How weird are some of the questions you got? And if you want to share any of them without saying the teams. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, I haven't, I didn't have any weird questions to say at least. I mean, I knew some other guys have, and I was just like, you know what? That's crazy. Cause I did not get those questions, but, um, to, to say to disappoint you, but I haven't, I didn't have any weird questions. Um, I mean, they, they always ask you, uh, you know, how's your upbringing and things like that. But other than that, uh, just to branch off of those, you know, how did you come up? Everything else is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's, it's not anything, um, in my aspect, that kind of threw me off guard or anything like that. Everything was pretty straightforward because, I mean, <laughs> up until, you know, I left Penn State, my life was pretty boring. So <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have anything that was, you know, a glaring that they could, you know, nitpick at. Yeah, so uh, since you didn't get any uh, weird ones at the Combine, I'm going to read you some of the weird ones from the past if you want to okay. uh, hear them. <laughs> All right, so – um. They asked one player if he find, found his mother attractive. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Falcons reportedly asked a Florida player if he liked men. Um, wow. They asked a Bauer player when he lost his virginity. He said he refused to answer. Wow. <laughs> um, they asked a TCU player what his murder weapon of choice would be. I mean, these are just crazy questions. Like, they're just yeah. trying to make sure you don't got, like, a plan in your head already. <laughs> Like, right. If you answer too quick, they're like, "Oh, red flag." Literally, <laughs> literally. Yeah. But no, I mean, I mean, one of the questions that I mean, I guess following following those lines, the uh, one of the questions I got was, was, what "Was my favorite uh, beverage of choice?" And I mean, like, I don't really drink a whole lot of no liquor, like mm-hmm. I like I did in my college days. But I mean, it was more just like, you know, I mean, wine is something that's really settling now, so I don't really drank a whole lot of hard stuff anymore. That's, I can't do that. It's not good for my body anymore. Yeah, so they're just trying to make sure you're not like a full-blown alcoholic. Like right, right. To... And that's, and that's, they're just trying to figure out who you are. And I mean, like, nobody, no one's perfect. So, I mean, the, the best thing you could do is be honest. Yeah. Um. All right, I got like two more questions. If, and I think Matt has a, a few, and then we'll wrap this up. But uh, good. one of them, I was reading on The Athletic that they said that some teams might ask you to move to tight end. Uh, would you be open to that? And, like, uh, what do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, when you go to the NFL, it's a job. So, I mean, if you're asked to do something at your job, I mean, that's something that I got to do. I mean, I don't I don't care if I got to go to tight end. I don't care if I even got to go to you know, running back. I mean, I don't care. I just – I need a job. And that's the one thing that um I always wanted to do. I mean, I wanted to play football. I wanted to play NFL football. And that's something that I still want to do and want to do for quite some time. So, Whatever I got to do to stay in the lead, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that was actually a really good answer. I don't, don't know what else to say to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what I was expecting you to say there. I didn't know if you were going to be like, nah, I'm not playing tight end. Don't ask me to do it. Right, right. Because <laughs> there are some players like that, and it's crazy. Like. Yeah, and, and that's just like a whole pride thing that I, I mean, I just won't get into. But, I mean, I, I the thing is, like, uh, that's just being selfless. I mean, going into a different realm of uh, who you are outside of your realm, going to a different position, that's just you, you know what I mean, being selfless. So that's kind of the player I want to be. Yeah, I mean, it's selfless. And also, if they're going to be like, hey, listen, like, we, you might be able to make, like, practice squad, like, minimum playing wide receiver, but, like, we'll pay you millions of dollars to play tight end. Like, right, 
right. you might as well do it. Absolutely. Um, so the last thing I, I wanted to say was um, just being New Jersey guys, New Jersey high school football doesn't get a lot of uh, respect outside of New Jersey. Absolutely. So, uh, and it's crazy because, like, I think the class you were in had a – were you in the class with Jabril Peppers or was that after you? That was the year before me. Oh, before you. Yeah. All right, so funny story. I remember being, uh, I think, eighth grade, like, watching his highlights, and I was like, this kid right. is like – this is Barry <laughs> Sanders. Like, this is <laughs> – Right. Um. So, yeah, and people, like, feel like, I don't know, New Jersey's got, like, slouches in high school. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we got some pretty good guys. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we had – I mean, I played with, you know, Corey Clement my year, so I had a stud already who went mm. to Wisconsin and, and just got released from the Eagles. And who else was in my class was, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, that's one of the, the top-name uh, top guys that's in the NFL. And so, I mean, Jersey definitely has some guys. It just, I mean, we for, for me, I played in a small group, so people really didn't know about me. But, I mean, Jersey definitely has some balls because we always have a chip on our shoulders, so. Yeah, for sure. I, I, South Jersey is like a, a few more smaller groups. I, I think you're from South Jersey. I don't want to. Uh... Yeah. So uh, is it Tower Ham or Pork Roll to you? Can you say again? So is it Tower Ham or Pork Roll to you? <laughs> it's a Pork Roll. <laughs> Man, thank God. <laughs> I thought you were about to say Tower Ham and I was like, all right, wrap this up. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Matt, I think you had like one or two questions. So. Well, my, yeah, my question is a two-parter. Um, so, obviously, you go from Penn State to Oregon, Penn State being notoriously one of the best college football uh, atmospheres in the country. You know, 100,000-plus yeah. people a game day inside the stadium, you know, thousands outside, you know, just watching from the outside. Um, so, I guess the first part of the question is, like, how like different was it playing in a more of a homey stadium over in Oregon as compared to, you know, the 100,000 people at Penn State, and I guess because we have 16,000, so I'm probably 80 to 95 percent of our followers have never played in front of more than probably 10,000 people. (laughs) Can you walk us through, like, you know, when you're at Penn State and, you know, you know, it's Michigan week and then Michigan runs out of the tunnel, like how that atmosphere is, or you're running out, you know, while, you know, right before kickoff against, you know, USC or Washington, you know, a big game, you know, it's a big game, everyone there, like how that crowd is and how it hits you as a player. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to be honest with you. It's kind of hard to describe it. I mean, if you want to go to, like, a mosh pit and you're allowed to, you know, scream and help people, that's exactly what the stadium is times four. I mean, that's that's how Penn State is. It's basically a mosh pit. and um, It's so exciting to play in that stadium, especially making big plays. You know, winning games, it's, it's so great to win games in that stadium because, you know, people are there for you. People are, you know, you know, uh, getting you excited, patting you on the back. That's kind of like the things that you get when you win games. I mean, obviously, it's the opposite when you lose games. But, I mean, when you win games and you got that crowd involved and, like, on third downs and scoring touchdowns, those those fans go crazy. And I'm not even going to lie. They're, they're probably one of the best, um, one of the best um, atmospheres to play in, not only in the country, not only in the U.S., but probably in the world because it's so it's so crazy. Um, how it is at Penn State, and it's it's a different atmosphere. You you honestly have to go there to experience the whole thing, um, and definitely just transitioning uh, from Penn State to Oregon, a more of a like you said, a homey stadium. Um, it was shockingly surprising how loud that was too, because that's probably one of the louder places in the Pac-12. So 
you know, going from one of the loudest places in the country to going to one of the loudest places in um, the Pac-12 is definitely different, but it still has that same it factor in terms of the impact it has on the opponents, what it has on us. Um, it definitely still gets us going, still gets me ramped up and things like that. So uh, it's obviously different in terms of how uh, electrifying it is, but you still get the same feel, man, like this is a good feeling when you do something well. So, I mean, like at that point, like his Austin's what, like 54,000, 55,000? Yeah, 54, people. yeah, 50, something like that. Like, do you, do you notice a difference in noise, like on like a in a comparison, to like a big third down at Penn State to a big third down at Oregon? Like, could you look back and be like, "Oh man, you know, it was a little bit louder at Penn State, <laughs> but like after like fifty thousand people, it all sounds the same." Yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely. I mean, obviously, it's different when you've been hearing something for four years and then go somewhere else, you know, for a couple months and hear something different. It, it's it's going to be something different, but like I said, you still feel that it factor when you know you make a big play. Or when you know when you're getting a crowd excited, it still feels the same. I mean, you still get that same feeling, like man, I just did something, or man, the team just did something, or you coming out of the tunnel. It's still that effect. It's just different when it's, it's still a different um, uh, elect- electrifying feel. When, you know, you have a a lot more people screaming at you, so um, it's just a lot more eyes at Penn State than it is at Oregon, which is kind of different, but um, it still has that same effect. Yeah, so just listening to uh, Matt talk. I actually had two more questions if you uh, have time for them. No, that's all good. All right. Um, so, one, I was just thinking because you played in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, you know, who do you think the best DB you had to go up against was? Mm, best DB? Ooh. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, uh, this, this kid, Jalen Johnson from uh, Utah. And, um, and I think it was him because – he was the hardest to break down because he was very technically sound and um, he was good. I mean, they had a good defense. Utah was was one of the better defenses in not only the Pac-12, but college football. I mean, that's something you have to get your, uh, your A game on for the Pac-12 championship. You don't want to disappoint in a game like that. And it was on Friday, so people were looking at that game because, you know, the Big 12 was on Saturday and all the other championships was on Saturday. So I definitely wanted to, you know, be on my A game. And, you know, he was something that I had to study for extra because, you know, he was a good player. He was quick. He was fast. He was smart. So um, he was probably one of the better corners that I faced. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that Utah game, that was a crazy game, too. Uh, um, I had something to say about it, but I, I can't think of what it was. Oh, it was about the question itself. I, I was going to say uh, before you started talking, I was like, if they were all trash, you could just say, like, <laughs> You know, none of them could cover you. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, that's how I got to think about it going into, you know, I mean, a week. I mean, obviously, I mean, they, they could be good or they can be among the best corner in the country. But that the way my mindset goes into it is that they're not good. And that's, and that's the way I think about it on every Saturday until after we play them. So, yeah, I feel like that that's how most uh, corners think about it, too, is like you know, they right. have a different mentality. Like if, if you're a corner and you think like, you're going to get beat, like you're going to get cooked. They're going to get beat. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So um, the last thing that I had for you was um, we had a Rutgers walk-on on like a few weeks ago, and he was talking about more of the social life because, well, I mean, he'll he'll tell you uh, if you ever talk to him. He didn't really play ever, so right. we didn't really have much football to talk about. Yeah. yeah. He called himself yeah, right. the act. He was the oh. uh, what you call the placeholder. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He was, uh, okay. he was the placeholder. Okay. He called himself the academic weapon. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's how he opened the interview. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. you have to be. Yeah, he said he was the academic weapon. <laughs> um, anyway, he was telling us about uh, how at Rutgers, the football team every summer, they have uh, the beer Olympics. And uh, uh, he said, like, they, they split up by position group and stuff. So I was wondering if at Penn State or Oregon, or you don't got to, like, name anything really, just if you ever came across anything like that. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have anything exactly to that at Oregon, not at all. But, I mean, Penn State, you could probably get anything. I mean, they'll make a day out of anything. I mean, Penn State is just one of those schools that <laughs> they'll make every day a drink at night if they had to. But, um, I mean, it could be anything. But that's something that – I mean, that's kind of like a culture thing. I mean, that's not anything that, um, I mean, um, that new guys can come in and do. That's just something that's a – kind of a tradition i mean that's kind of like something that that stays with a that stays with a team and stays with a, a penn state community so i mean that's kind of like one of those great places at penn state i mean those guys or those people there uh, they communicate a lot and just having a good time that's something that they always do yeah for sure i mean well one thing he was telling us was uh they had a uh, everything every team had a lineman on i think at least one lineman uh-huh. and they had a uh, a beer pitcher chugging contest and they timed right. it and he said by like uh, four in the afternoon, all the linemen were like asleep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I mean, I mean, the linemen they consume a lot. I mean, that's that's something that they they pride <laughs> themselves on. They they consume a lot, so they they drink more than someone like a wide receiver or a kicker. So. Yeah. Um. So I think that was it, Matt. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? No, that'll that'll wrap it up for me. All right, well, uh, Juwan, thank you for taking the uh, time out of your busy, may- maybe busy schedule. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there, um, there's not much to do anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's not much. <laughs> oh, that's. Well, I did get out of my midterms, so this is this has been oh, pretty there good. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So thank you for taking time to come talk to us, even though there's not much to do in self quarantine. But. Oh no, it's all good, brother. All right. Um. Yeah. So we appreciate you coming on, and uh, if you have time in the future, maybe you'll come back on. But, uh, Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. All right, guys. So that was Juwan Johnson. I uh, talked about the transition from playing at Beaver Stadium to Autzen. Talked about some other things people he played with. Uh, you know, definitely something that we thought was pretty fun, especially for John being such a big Oregon fan. I uh, have him a big key impactor for Oregon this year. So now we're going to get into something more serious. This is probably the most serious thing we've talked about is the ongoing pandemic. Uh, not only how it's affecting us, but the sports world. And, you know, more importantly, it's affecting the regular world. But our little bubble of sports is really getting hit. So, John, uh, if you have anything you want to say about what's going on with you, I mean, we're both pretty much doing the same thing. Oh, well, I just want to talk about, like, how for, it affected, like, uh, the football world. Yeah, but, let's do it. All right. Um, well, one, it's crazy how many – because I have the athletic, so I, I read that. I mean, uh, it's free to everyone right now anyway, but – I was reading a Notre Dame article, and they were just have like a five-star visit. It's between them and Clemson, and he lives in North Carolina. And they're saying like, well, it was between like Notre Dame and Clemson, but he's not going to visit Notre Dame now, so it's pretty much like a done deal. And like, it's crazy how many of these kids' recruitments, and like, there's no camps, so like, it's going to be crazy how like uh, in a few years, this is probably going to be a very inaccurate draft class. Like, I mean, uh, like recruiting class. Yeah, there's, there's, like, no, there's no camps was- to evaluate. Yeah. Yeah, there's kids who are sophomores who are probably, like Mike Farrell said, they're, you know, uh, you, you, they're thinking about how much a kid can put on. They're trying to see how he plays now, but 
you know, now you can't see how a kid plays now. Yeah, there's going to be a gap from their junior season to their senior season. Like, a whole year is going to pass. Yeah. And I think another crazy thing is that this is just a prediction. I have nothing to, um, like, no proof or anything for this. But I think that we're going to see a record number of decommitments come the fall. Because kids right now are probably going to commit to schools that, you know, they've already been to. And, like, since all their visits are uh, canceled. And they're probably going to commit to what they know. And uh, I just think that once, like, uh, for instance, like, some kids are committing. I've seen USC's getting, like, a little bit of an uptick. Um, like, a few schools that have, like, a lot of guys, like, on their junior day already mm-hmm. that they've been to. As opposed to teams that had to cancel junior day. So I think like once teams go to those visits, they, kids won't go to those visits that they were supposed to have a while ago. We're gonna see a lot of decommitments just reopening like their options. Yeah, I think if it's not decommitments, it'll be transfers because you know not all those kids are gonna decommit, but there will be kids who get into class their freshman year, and then they you know they're, they're thinking they're not playing. They're saying, man, maybe I shouldn't even have gone here. You know, I never went to go see said school. And then they put their name in the portal, and then they transfer. So I think we're going to see a lot of kids who are making decisions off of, like you said, they can't go on their visits right now. Well, so they're making the decision on what they know, like you just said. And I feel like a lot of kids don't want to leave what's close to them. Because uh, right now, what's going on in the world is scary to be a 16-year-old kid and then thinking, hmm, am I really going to pack my bags and go 3,000 miles away when this could happen again in two years? You know, they don't want to be 2,000 miles away, 2,000 miles away from their family across the country. They're going to want to be close. So I think you're going to see a lot of kids staying home for this. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. But also, you made a, uh, you said something that sparked a thought in my head is transfers. Spring football, we usually see a lot of transfers after spring football. Guys seeing they fell on the depth chart, got passed up by freshmen. That's going to happen in the fall, like right before the season now. Because you know, right now, guys have no idea where they are on the depth chart because no one's playing football. But, you know, come the fall, like the first practices before like week one, guys are going to see, oh, wow, I'm like sixth on the depth chart. I don't want to be that. Like, I'm a senior. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to see a record number of guys enter the portal as we get closer to the start of the season. So then me and John talked about this earlier in the week uh, because we both, for the most part, John still has to go to work. I don't have to go to work. I don't I have a summer job, so I'm waiting for that. We're both out of school now because of this. And we were thinking about maybe doing a live, like ask me anything type thing. We would both go live on Twitter on the on the account. We'd answer all the followers' questions. But the one thing I was thinking about before is because there's a lot of people I see online saying how this has like changed their lives because they're active people, you know, all that stuff. For me, I don't. I know when I had class, I didn't have class until two o'clock, six o'clock, so I didn't do anything all day. So now I'm kind of like being rewarded for doing nothing all day, and it's quite weird. You know how, like, you always see the things that are like, oh, you were going to clean, and then your mom asked you to clean, so you don't want to clean anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone, the whole time, I'm getting yelled at, like, oh, all you do is sit inside. Like, you know, go outside. I'm sitting inside playing video games with my friends. Like, what's the big deal? Now everyone's like, oh, stay inside and hang out and play video games with your friends. Like, now I just want to go out. I want to go play basketball or something. Yeah. So, like you said, I go to work still every day, um, more than I was before, and I'm around a ton of people, and I feel like, I don't see the whole pandemic thing as much as other people. Cause for me, my life really hasn't changed. Like nothing like, uh, like I still have to be the same place as I was like before this. So it's weird. Like it's probably way more of adjustment for you. Like, yeah, well not just me, like the people I live with, uh, because they don't have to physically go to work. Like they're working. I've, I, my house is basically a small office at this point. Uh, there's yeah. two people working from home. 
I mean, I have two people who my my dad still goes to work every night, and my sister's boyfriend he like he's on the phone with work all the time. So like he's kind of working from home still, but like he's just like kind of like a small office. So I can imagine the adjustment for them being different than it is for me, who just did nothing until three o'clock anyways every day. Yeah, that's true. That's weird working from home, and like I just have the adjustment of I still have to go to work. Like it's still the same thing. I wish I could work from home. Like <laughs> <laughs> stock shelves but, from home. Yeah, do deliveries from home. It'd be so much nicer, but uh, it, I mean, it's not feasible. I mean, maybe they could like FedEx some of them. Like could. Just, like, oh, John's not doing it. <laughs> um. All right. So now you want to talk about um some big personal news for you? Well, kind of personal news. Your team, and uh, it kind of goes along with the whole coronavirus and staying home thing. So you want to get into that? Well, yeah, actually, uh, hold on. wait, wait, oh, hold on. I don't want to say the coronavirus. Cause I want to say that's the only reason, because that—that's like a, I don't know that. I read thinking. why he committed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I don't want it to be misconstrued as that's what I meant. But I'm just saying we in our text before this we had them like together. Yeah. So at uh, well, I'll talk about the individual, or the team first. What do you want to do? No, just put them together. Just spew right. Seven fifty-three as we record this right now. And about an hour ago, 45 minutes, Rutgers landed a huge four-star commit from Kahari Banton, which moves their class into top 15 on uh, 24-7 sports and rivals. They both have them at 12 and 13. So for Rutgers right now, one, you know, all the excitement with the Shiano hire, which was five months ago, and then he had you know, a little boom in commitments for this year's class. And now he's working on 21. Uh I think if you're a Rutgers fan of football right now, this is, you know, for me, this is great, you know, not just for football, even for just athletics, because basketball was up this year. Football, you have some hope right now with the classes that he's bringing in. We haven't had this kind of recruiting in the Big Ten ever, and we haven't had this kind of recruiting in football in a long time. Yeah, I mean, the only other year I could think about it is maybe Ash's first year, but Ash was never really a great recruiter, but he did bring in uh, big four stars his first year first class but um yeah i agree with you this is crazy stuff um i don't think Rutgers is going to stay this high but i think they'll finish top 50 which is an improvement because i think they were like um like high 60s low 70s under ash in the last years so that's pretty good yeah and like the thing for this for me is you know obviously i said it from the beginning and it's not a debate anymore about you know Shiano's recruiting ability. He's always been a good recruiter, whether he was the head coach or the coordinator. Everyone talks about him as one of the best recruiters in the country. But now he's getting results. And that's something, you know, if he came in and, and everyone praised him for being this great recruiter and he never really got a great class, he, say he had mediocre classes. Like, all right, what did you really do for us? But now, you know, he's getting good classes. He's giving himself the pieces around him that he can, quote unquote, turn around this program which is exciting for me. And I know a couple of my buddies who are Rutgers fans, uh, shout out Drake and Tiski. Uh, you know, we're talking in a group chat right now about it. And I think we're, I mean, we're ready to go for the season. No, it's definitely a uh, more exciting time for Rutgers. I, and uh, I was more into Rutgers in high school. I'm going to be honest. Um, I, I still watch some of their games, but it gets, it's been a little harder because I'm not as invested into as you. So you can only imagine for me, I'm not going to sit through a 48 zero, uh, Hopefully it doesn't happen this season. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I didn't sit through any of those 49 nothing games, anyways. I had hope in the first quarter, and then it went away. Yeah, 
But I'm saying, like, once it was down, like, 21, 28, I was probably out of there. Uh, but I want to finish my thought here. I had this excitement under Chris Ash's first season. I think they went, what, 7-6? and six? And um, I believe they went that 7-6 and six or something like that. Maybe 6-7. and seven. And they had a decent recruiting class. Because I'll, I'll tell you what. When, Chris, when I got the notification on my phone, Micah Clark commits to Rutgers – uh, and Bo Melton commits to Rutgers, I was like, Rutgers can't lose. These guys are going to the Natty. I, you, I would have sold. You could have sold me a dream at that point. So I, I'm a little weary right now, only because I've had this feeling about Rutgers before, and obviously it went downhill. But I'm excited. I am excited. Yeah, and I, I think I see what you're talking about, with Ash, because Ash's first year wasn't great. Yeah, he was two and ten, but the next year he was four and eight. And I think they won two Big Ten games. I think that might have been the year they beat Michigan. You know, it was a down Michigan team with Brady Hoke, you know, but it's still beating Michigan. Uh, I think all this optimism right now is great, mm-hmm. especially because it's so far out. Could I have like unlimited, like I've what six months, seven months to just think about how great we're going to be. And then, you know, it's just going to come down to the product that he puts out on the field. Cause at the end of the day, that's what you get judged by. Oh, absolutely. I think which my thing is, uh, I can't really put a thought to this. Yeah, so I think I was thinking of when I said uh, the seven and six. They finished fifth, and they finished three and six. I think I mixed those two together, like mm-hmm. the two stats. But yeah, so after that year, I was convinced, like, oh, this is the guy for the job. Like, two win improvement. Like, the the boys looked good. Um, those are the Chris Laviano days uh, that have been long gone. Chris Ash did a really good job of making it look like he was capable of doing something. Like, he would do something, like, twice a year that would be like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. Like, he would, like, you know, he lands Art, who was at one point a four-star, and then, you know, obviously plays the way he does his freshman year. And then we're questioning him. And then he takes over as the coordinator, and he's also the head coach, and the defense plays well. And they end the year in, in 18, I think it was, at Michigan State, and they play out of their, you know, phenomenal. They should have won that game, but I, I forget who it was dropped a touchdown pass on a trick play. You know, that, that's a game where I'm like, all right, they can build on this for next year. And, you know, they, sh- they should be better next year. But then, yes. obviously, the result came out, and it wasn't, and then he lost his job. But I'd be lying if there if I said that there were times, and I mean, if there weren't times where I said, Chris Ash is going to get this ship straightened. And there were, you know, there were serious times where I was like, all right, give Ash a year or two, and he'll get this thing figured out. And I feel like an idiot for saying that now, looking back on it. Yeah, no, all right. So I want to ask you, just for you, at what point did you know Ash wasn't the guy anymore? Well, I mean, there were multiple times when I thought Ash wasn't the guy anymore. Um, Off the top of my head, obviously, the blowout losses to Michigan and Ohio State, I felt that you can't put that on. You can't have that kind of performance and try and convince kids to go to your school over those two schools you know like you're trying to convince a kid to go to Rutgers over Ohio State and then they walk in and beat you by 60 like that's just not gonna happen that way but so for this year I'm trying to a Kansas was a game two years ago that made me think that he should have been done that day I would have been fine if he was out that day when they lost to Kansas oh don't even remind me dude uh that that was was so bad they played someone the week after close i'm trying to think if he was there in the eastern michigan game because they should they had no business losing the eastern michigan and they did 
I believe he was there. I think yeah, that I think was his was. first or second year. Uh, but last year, the game that really made me say that he shouldn't have, you know, he she needs to go was uh, I'm trying to think. When did he get fired? What week? Uh, it was early in the season, uh, October, early October. I'm trying to think if it was the Maryland game. No, Maryland's end of the season. No, 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 Maryland was October 5th. Let me take a look because I want to make sure I have this right. Uh, yeah. Oh no, he wasn't even. Yeah. So he was fired after the Michigan game, fifty-two nothing. Which he should have been. If you, you know, uh, you know, if you're fighting for your job, losing fifty-two nothing probably isn't the most ideal situation. Also, I wasn't sure if it was the Michigan or Maryland game. Okay. Also, with that, is um, you have to score some points against these rivals. It's not even like we were losing, like getting blown out, but putting up points. We weren't doing like the Mike Leach blowout loss. All yeah, right. like if, we were just doing. No, you're right. Yeah, we were just doing where we just lose. Like this, there was no, like we're in this game. It wasn't happening. All right, we flat out couldn't play. I mean, if you listen to the interview with Mike Farrell, and if you haven't, I highly suggest you do because there's a lot of great stories that Farrell told us. But like one thing I said to him is, a lot of like, people are expecting Shiana to turn this into a top tier program. And yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. I mean, I signed me up for that. But you know, why can't we be, you know, Indiana, who you know, they're a good team. You know, once every five or six years, they win eight or nine games. Give me eight wins, and even in the games you lose, they're competitive. Like they played Washington the year after Washington went to the college football playoffs. Washington came into High Point as the eighth or ninth ranked team in the country. And quick flex, I was there. Uh, we, you know, that's the first year we started sitting behind the end zone, and we were in that game for a while. I think they ended up losing by 20, 25 points. But there was a time in that game, there was a sack. Browning got sacked, fumbled. Rutgers recovered, and it almost appeared as if Rutgers was going to beat a top 10 team in the country. Like there was no doubt in my mind after that play. I was like, okay, if they're going to win this game. We're going to beat one of the best wins in Rutgers program's history. But like. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with losing to Ohio State. I understand that's probably going to happen. That's what comes with being in the Big Ten. But there's no reason why we can't, you know, Rutgers, why are they not in the third quarter down 14 making it a game? You know, you're one touchdown away from making it a real close game. Don't give me third quarter down 45. Yeah, no, I see, that's what I agree with. Like, when you start, when you talk like that, you have me. I'm fully on board. Like, that's when we have a problem, is when Rutgers is losing games like that where they absolutely shouldn't like I, I'm, I'm wording this very poorly like where Rutgers is getting blown out by teams that like other teams in the conference that are almost as, as much of a disadvantage are not getting blown the fuck out by yeah I mean if you look at some of the games they played last year I mean you can't lose to Indiana 35 nothing and Indiana they were a good team last year but they weren't like they weren't Michigan you shouldn't be getting, you know, you can give up 35 points to Indiana. They had good offense. Defensively, they were good too, but you got to at least give me 10 points, seven points. Give me some kind of stats. You know, give me something. I mean, I'm just going to look and see how poor the quarterback play was. And I think that's what comes down to a lot of it. There was a lot of poor quarterback play. And Johnny Langan was five of 13 for a yard. You can't have that. Yeah, but Langan was brought in and he wasn't supposed to play at all. No, he wasn't. He, when he wasn't, he's not that system though. I will, I will give Langan that. He does not like to play. He's not a 
He's not a passer. No, he, he was brought in not to do what they're asking to do. Okay, so I think we should wrap this up because me and you can go on about this all day. Um, I mean, we probably uh, will. Yeah, <laughs> most, most, most people don't understand that. Like, me and your text messages are literally, most of the times, either arguing about football or like, hey, you want to play Xbox? Or, hey. Yeah, like you just want to go, you know, I want to go get food something. Like, yeah, well, it, like, I will probably finish this recording and I'll text you in 20 minutes about, you know, the, the promise for Rutgers football. But so, well, that's going to wrap this episode up. Obviously, we had Juwan Johnson. That was a great interview for us. Uh, keep your uh, eyes on the Twitter for if we decide to go live this week with some kind of live podcast type thing. And we were thinking about it, trying it out, talking about the logistics of it. But until next week, guys, uh, we'll see you next week or two weeks, whenever the next one. Hope everyone stay safe, wash your hands, six feet apart at all times, and uh, you know, let's hope for college football season to be back soon.